I consider myself sort of a veteran when it comes to scouring the deep web. I've been doing it for over five years at this point, and in all honesty, I can say that for the most part, it was pretty disappointing. It originally started as a curiosity. My life was routine up until that point. I had a well-paying but dull job, and I hadn't exactly had much success relationship-wise. Many of them had started out strong, but fizzled out by the one-year point for some reason or the other. Not to say that I was unhappy or anything, just that I was unsatisfied with how mundane everything was. I couldn't help but feel like I was wasting my potential, that there was something big waiting for me out there. I know it might sound childish, but I still hoped that I might actually turn out to be somebody one day, you know? Like a famous musician or inventor. Just someone. Anything important. Given that I had no real talent or the like that might help me achieve that dream, I turned to the dark web. It might sound strange, but it wasn't as much as I was hoping to find something on there that I was sort of just hoping to escape the blandness of my life. I guess we all have our escapist fantasies video games, movies, televisions, and so on. For me, it was the deep web. It was exciting at first, but over time, even my activities there began to bore me. As it turns out, there really isn't anything all that interesting on the deep web. There were lots of sites selling drugs, but I had no use for them. Most other things were scams. You know, the send me some Bitcoin, then I'll send you twice as much back sort of stuff. Occasionally, I would find something that seemed genuinely creepy, but a little digging would always reveal that it was a hoax. After five years of this, I was about ready to give up on my escapades on the dark web. I hadn't really had much success in real life either. Don't get me wrong, I was moderately good at my job and financially well off, but that dream of really achieving something significant was as out of reach as always. I was until that day. I saw a post on a forum that I frequented. It had a few like-minded people looking for anything strange or eccentric on the deep web. Someone had posted a link to a page stating that it sounded fake, but admitted that it was one of the weirdest things that they had encountered. Given the account was over seven years old, and according to their profile, they'd been in the game for over ten years... This was no small claim. The webpage itself was simple, the kind you would encounter in the early 2000s. A little reading told me that it was a religious group dedicated to a deity known as Redacted. I'm not writing it that way to protect you or anything. No, I wrote it that way because I quite literally couldn't read it. The name was written in letters that I didn't even recognize, and though I've tried looking up other alphabets online... I still can't find any language with letters that even remotely resemble the ones that I saw. The basic premise of this religion was that this god, Redacted, was an all-powerful entity that lived in a dimension parallel to ours, but would one day find a way to manifest itself on Earth. It all did seem like an elaborate prank someone set up, but then I saw how many members of the cult supposedly had. Over 10,000? That couldn't possibly be real, and they must have been fudging their numbers. So I thought. Anyway, I did click on a few more links on the site, but all the other information was blocked for people who were not members. Except for one. It was a page that had writing about someone called The Prophet. According to the site, the person would herald the arrival of redacted, one day, but had no further details. The prophet would be reborn over and over again until redacted manifested, and the cult was dedicated to finding this person. It was then that I read something that sent a chill down my spine. They had a description of the person who was supposed to be a reincarnation of the prophet. I won't write down the details here for obvious reasons, or post a link to that site either for that matter, but 
the description matched me. The description wasn't vague enough that it could have been written off as describing anyone. It had my height on there, and also my birthday and month, though I did not mention the exact year, but instead the decade when I was born. It said the prophet's profession would involve handling money. I was an accountant. It also said the prophet would be an unmarried man. Not only that, it described a birthmark that I had. Had to be a coincidence, right? That's what I told myself. I I mean, there must have been dozens of people who matched that kind of description, right? Or had the people who made this site made it specifically to describe me? It couldn't be. I scoured posts on both the normal and the deep web looking for more information on this group, but practically no one seems to have heard of them before. Those who had just told me what I would already knew. I did learn that the description of the prophet was the same for nearly everyone, though. Meaning these people hadn't hacked my webcam or something. And it was a bit reassuring when I did a little fact-checking and realized that there must have been easily tens of thousands of people who matched the description that they'd written down. Still, some uneasiness remained, and eventually, I felt that I had to get my hands on some more information. While not the brightest idea I had, I decided to get it the only way I knew how. By joining them. The initiation procedure involved a ritual that had to be done on the night of the full moon. I won't go into any more details on what was involved other than there was a sacrifice of my own blood. One misconception many of you might have is that it's possible to stream videos on the deep web, and there are some sites selling access to streams where people are tortured and other things as such as that. It is impossible to stream on tour, however, given how slow it is to access even normal web pages. As such, this group wanted each new member to film themselves completing the initiation ritual and send a copy to their leader. I did it wearing a mask, of course. As a matter of fact, the site even recommend everyone do it to hide their identities. I also stripped the video of any metadata and watched it thrice before sending it over to make sure I didn't leave anything that could be tracked back to me. I got a message back with an audio recording I was to play to finish my initiation. The words sounded garbled and didn't resemble any language I'd ever heard of. They instead sounded more like a bunch of animal growls than spoken words. Somehow... Even though I hadn't understood a lick of it, it triggered something inside of me. It was as if a switch in my head had been flipped on and several circuits in my brain activated. The name, the name of Redacted, was now clear to me. I didn't know how I could read it, just that I could. There's no point in me trying to write it down. I couldn't if I tried, and I think it wouldn't make any sense to anyone else. It didn't end there, though. Memories I didn't know I had came rushing to me. Memories of countless past lives I lived. I saw the pyramids of Egypt being built. I had been a member of Caesar's Legion when he invaded Gaul. I saw myself standing on the beaches of Normandy, and there were countless others to which I couldn't give a modern-day name. Nearly all of these times, I discovered this religious cult. And I joined it countless times. But there was something that this group had been hiding from me, and I knew why. The prophet would become a vessel for bringing Redacted into this world. But that was after sacrificing himself. In short, I was a lamb for slaughter. I knew this from my memories and browsing parts of the webpage that I now had access to to confirm the fact. I immediately logged off and vowed to never go on that site again. But my nightmare wasn't over. Later that night, I had a dream more vivid than any I had ever had before. And I saw him, or rather, 
it. I saw redacted. Even if I had the space of an entire book, I still probably couldn't do what I saw justice. I saw nearly every single kind of horror. Werewolves, vampires, skinwalkers, demons, and many more melded together into a giant body that completely spanned the horizon. Though it had no real eyes, or rather millions of eyes all looking in different directions, I could still somehow feel it focusing its gaze directly at me. None of the individual mouths opened up, but it still spoke with an impossibly loud voice directly into my mind. My prophet, you know your destiny. It showed me a vision of me lying, tied to a table, surrounded by people in black hoods. One of them took out a knife and slit my throat, and I watched myself die. As the light left my eyes, I began to turn pitch black, and my blood levitates off the table. A voice that wasn't mine left my mouth as dark tendrils began to form around me. This is what was going to happen to me. I would end up dying as a sacrifice and would be possessed by this monster. I'll spare you the details of what I saw afterward. Let's just say that Redacted is not a merciful god. Most of humanity would be wiped out. And with what happened to the survivors, let me just say that a swift death was a far kinder fate. No, I screamed. I won't let this happen. The thing was that I knew that I had to be sacrificed in a specific way to manifest him. If I managed to avoid the religious cult I had inadvertently joined, or if I took my own life another way, his plan would be foiled. At least for now it would be. Think about it. Your death will be easy, almost painless. Submit yourself as a sacrifice to me. You have wanted to be special your whole life, have you not? You will attain godhood through this action, and... I will live through your flesh. Godhood? More like demonhood. I screamed back and awoke in a cold sweat. I knew that it wasn't just a dream. I also knew that the cult could probably also communicate with Redacted in some way, and it was still a possibility that they might be able to track me despite the precautions I'd taken. I couldn't let that happen. I went ahead and destroyed my old computer. I moved to another country and cut all ties with everyone I was close with. It's been two years up until now, and they haven't found me yet. Hopefully, they won't. But it isn't them I'm scared of. It's redacted. There is no way for me to unlearn what I know now. It visits me in my dreams every single night. Initially, it tried to appeal my ego. One of my desires was to one day accomplish something great or to be special. This was my chance, it said. A chance to be the chosen one or the protagonist or what have you in the world. I'd certainly wanted to be important all my life, but not in this way. When this failed, it tried another tactic. It told me that even if I didn't submit in this lifetime, I would just be reborn over and over again. Eventually, Redacted would manifest in our world. It was better, it said, for me to submit willingly now so that it might be a bit more lenient to the rest of humanity. When this failed, it told me that when it did manifest, it would have a limitless power and would bring forth every single past version of myself into this reality at once and as a punishment would subject me to every single version of me to torture worse than any human on this planet has ever experienced. I don't know if that's true or even possible given what I know of reincarnation. Could I really be brought back if I was already born into another body? I had no idea what the capabilities of the monster were. 
Then again, I can't be sure that anything that it's told me is the truth. I highly doubt it would be any more merciful on the world, even if I submitted. But night after night of God screaming into your head, and you begin to seriously doubt yourself. There are two quick ways to get in. One... I take the revolver I keep and put a bullet between my eyes. The second is to give in to Redacted and access the cult webpage and tell them where I am. I don't have a death wish, so neither one seems appealing. Life might not be perfect, but I certainly value what I have too much to end it all right now. The third thing is to endure this, but I don't think I can do that on my own. That's why I've turned to you, kind strangers on the internet. I'm sure many of you won't believe me, but I desperately need your help. Please don't try to find me. I've made sure you can't track me down. I can't be sure none of you aren't members of that cult or that you won't come hunt me down to save yourselves. What I need, kind strangers, is reassurance. That I need to endure and withstand the taunts of Redacted. After all, you all do have a vested interest in this as well. I can tell you that what Redacted wants to do to humanity is nothing that you would wish upon even your worst enemies. So please convince me that I can withstand it. Tell me counter-arguments against what it has told me because I don't know how much longer I can hold out like this. Thank you. I woke up this morning to a stinky, hot breath in my nose and a dollop of saliva on my cheek. I opened my eyes and Major was staring down at me with such intensity it could only mean one thing. He wanted to play. I could see his mouth opening as though to protest the refusal he surely knew was coming. It was only 2 a.m. after all, but we were spared the back and forth when my phone dinged to life. Major jumped off me and barked at it with excitement. A phone call at that hour, unfortunately, was nothing to get excited over. My brain was still foggy from waking up, so I can't recall the exact wording, but the gist of it was that they needed my, and more importantly, Major's help finding a missing hiker. Major, for all his faults and reeking farts, was one of the best damn rescue dogs you'll ever meet. He has a keen sense for the mountain and has an amazing track record at finding lost hikers, even when their trails have gone cold. I guess you win, boy, I mumbled as I got up and got dressed for work. I grabbed a cup of coffee on the way to the ranger station and tracked down the chief who was looking at a gridded map and directing the search crews. There was a steady stream of orange jackets and headlamps walking up and away from him. There were also multiple canine units. Major was the only dog off-leash, and there was a good reason for that. Like I said before, he's great at what he does, but he has his faults. He tends to slip out of his collar and go running on his own. Having worked with him for a few years now, I've found the most successful way of dealing with him is letting him do his thing. He breaks from the pack somehow finds the missing person, then runs back to me and leads me to them, Lassie-style. The chief turned toward me. This is what I recall of the conversation. Dylan, Major, good. You're here. We have a hiking boom for you to sniff. This wasn't time for humor, but I couldn't help myself. Me or the dog? I thought it was hilarious, but the chief gave me the look. He handed me the boot, and I crouched down by Major's level, holding it out to him to give it a good sniff. The boot was a spare they'd found in her car, but the scent was still strong enough for Major to track. 
were looking for Rhonda James. She and her friends were supposed to go up the Pinewood Trail to see the sunset last night. They got separated. The girls found their way back to the station about an hour ago, but there's been no trace of Rhonda. My stomach churned with dread. We should have closed the Pinewood Trail years ago. It's well marked and the forest isn't too dense in that area, but somehow, every few months, people go missing. Most are found safe and sound before the search is even in full swing, but occasionally, Major and I come across badly mauled remains. Working theory is it's a cougar, but no one's ever been able to find its den, let alone tracks. Either way, I hoped we'd find Rhonda before it, whatever it was, did. Major was eager to go, so eager, in fact, that he didn't even wait for my signal. I looked away for one second, and he was running off towards the bushes, tail wagging frantically. If that damn dog wasn't so good at his job, I swear no one would put up with him. I sighed, knowing there was no way of catching him. Thankfully, he had an almost supernatural ability to find people and make his way back to me, so I figured I'd see him trotting up sooner or later. I went off towards Pinewood Trail with a pair of rangers. I didn't like the Pinewood Trail after dark. There was something eerie about it that I couldn't quite put my fingers on. You would think there'd be comfort in the sparsity of trees, but it had the opposite effect. To me, it's easier to imagine someone or something peeking out from behind the trees when they're not as dense. I feel watched. I hear things that I shouldn't normally hear. I see figures, then look, only to find a junior tree. Thicker parts of the mountain feel safer, like hunkering down behind a tall fence. Come to think about it, maybe it's because there's nowhere for me to hide. Rhonda James! shouted Elena. Hers wasn't the only voice calling for the missing hiker. Other rescuers called too, their voices bouncing off the thin trees like pinballs. We walked around for about an hour, periodically calling Rhonda's name before something answered. Something that chilled me to the bone. It was a wail, feminine but unnatural. It screeched with intensity, piercing through the mountainside with its haunting sharpness. That might be a cougar, Alana whispered. We looked at her, and I could see the other ranger, Parker, reaching for his rifle. I could feel the anxiousness in the air coming from all three of us. Do you think it's... I started. Parker interrupted. We have to go. It might not be too late. The assumption was that, wherever the cougar was, its victim must be nearby. If she was lucky, she'd only been dragged around. If she wasn't, well, maybe we could still save her. Maybe she hadn't bled out yet. I don't know. In any case, we took off running in the direction of the shrieking and radioed other teams to try and triangulate the location until the shrieking came to a sudden, sobering stop. Was it too late? Only time would tell. After about half an hour, the trees began to thicken, indicating we were leaving the Pinewood area, much to my relief. I could see distant spots of light every so often from other teams combing farther and higher up the mountain. I wondered if they saw us too. I lost track of time, but I think it was about another hour passed in silence, and we were starting to think we'd veered off course or something. And then, I heard footsteps behind me. Parker and Elena stopped as well. Parker reached for his gun again while Elena seemed to reach for her flares. My heart thrashed. Truth be told, I'm not sure who wins in a fight between three people and a cougar. 
I have a sneaking suspicion it's the cougar. I turned, slowly holding my breath as though a single inhale would be the tipping point between life and getting mauled in the face. And when I saw two glowing eyes looking back at me, or glowing in the way animal eyes reflect light in the dark, I just about blacked out. There was something massive prowling in the bushes, looking at us. Shoot it! Elena hissed. I... I don't see it, stammered Parker. I tried to point at it, but before my arm lifted, it jumped out of the bushes and I saw the rapid batting of an enthusiastic tail. Major, you scared the shit out of us! Major barked and ran over. He was met with relieved chuckles and headpats. And then, the disobedient rascal signaled he'd found something. My chest tightened and I hoped to every god I could think of that Rhonda was still alive. She was not. We found her soon afterward, in a brutal scene of animalistic gore. She hadn't stood a chance. I think she fought because some of her nails were broken and there was a large canine embedded in her cheek. Worse yet, she was still a little warm. If any of us had found her a bit sooner, she would have been fine. I quietly wondered whether Major had been with her in her final moments. She was brought out of the woods on a stretcher, sent to a medical examiner. Major and I returned home. He seemed happy as ever, not fully grasping the concept of death, I thought. I was heartbroken. I got myself some whiskey and I collapsed back in bed with Major at my side. And then my phone rang. As I rubbed Major's face, I heard the chief explain the tooth they'd found on Rhonda didn't belong to a cougar. They suspect a wolf or a big dog of some sort. And suddenly, I felt the ground fall beneath me. As I played with Major, I lifted his gums a tad bit, just enough to see an empty spot where one of his canines should have been. And I suddenly thought back to the intense look he'd given me that morning, the saliva on my face, the way he always finds the bodies first. Always mauled to death. How we always arrive. Just a bit too late. It was a simple genetic test. It wasn't officially mandatory, but we understood that we'd be fired for an unrelated made-up reason if we didn't do it. Out of the six employees in my corner of the building, I was one of the only two people who openly had an issue with our genetic information being taken by our employer. If the others didn't like it, they made no mention of it. That's what made it so hard to figure out who the psychopath really was. The information was supposed to be private, but by Monday, I came in to find a card being passed around for Debbie's inevitable neurotherapy. She sat at her desk crying while the rest of us tactfully ignored her and stuffed a few dollars in the card. What could we say? She wasn't sick yet. That was also probably the first moment I noticed a colleague behaving strangely toward me. Clint was always a little standoffish, but he seemed nervous while waiting for me to sign the card. You probably don't want to put money in. That's totally fine. What? I asked, thinking I heard him incorrectly. I put a $5 bill in and handed it back. Oh, <laughs> okay. He laughed nervously before moving to the next cubicle. By the time my ears had processed what he'd said, he was too far away to ask for clarification, so I leaned out of my cubicle and peered at him from afar. 
He caught me looking, and overcome by a masked panic, he grabbed the card from Carla and dashed out of sight as fast as a restrained office walk would allow. I had no idea what that had been about, but it certainly made me feel weird. For the next two hours, my co-workers seemed to share a universal hesitation at my approach or requests. It was wholly unlike the atmosphere that we'd communally maintained in the past. We all dreamed of pay raises and promotions, and we'd promised to help each other out and not fall victim to the corporate backstabbing that had consumed so much of the rest of the company. Those conversations had faded over the past year of economic hardship, and I now found myself in an office full of suspicion and distrust. Jackson alone didn't seem bothered. He was in the break room when I went to make another pot of coffee. Leaning dourly against the counter and staring down into his mug for lack of anything better to do, he said, Damn shame we get fined for being smokers now, eh? While making the fresh pot, I donned a wry grin that he didn't see because of his despondent interest in his coffee cup. Comedy policy is voluntary and exists to benefit our health, I parroted. He gave a single, cynical, chest-raising laugh. <laughs> Or to expose our secrets. Did you hear they found out someone in this office is a psychopath? My heart beat faster in my chest as the morning's strange interactions clarified themselves. What do you mean? I didn't see it myself, but apparently the manager left the genetic results on his desk and someone found them. He finally abandoned the deep search of his mug in favor of looking directly at me. Carla says the test found a psychopath among us, a legit, emotionless monster who would have no problem murdering us if we so much as looked at him the wrong way. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I grabbed the coffee pot early to slowly fill my own cup and nonchalantly ask, Did she say who it was? I wasn't really paying attention. Ah... Refilled, I headed out without another word. I had some idea who everyone thought was the psychopath, but I couldn't be right. I wasn't crazy or emotionless, and I certainly wouldn't ever hurt or kill someone. Had something gone wrong with the tests? Nora was the only other person that had voiced an issue with having our genetics taken. I stopped at her cubicle. She turned and... After a subtle, startled moment, she gave out a calm breath and said, Hey, how's your Monday going? Office decorum made it difficult to ask directly. Pretty good. I took a sip from my coffee and also pretended to be fine. Heard anything about Friday's tests? Her neck tightened nearly imperceptibly, and her answer came about two seconds slower than usual. I did. The stress of the moment had me feeling numb, but I kept a pleasant face. I see. Finally, she leaned forward and whispered, But I don't believe it. The whole thing is bullshit. Moving closer myself so that nobody else in the office would hear, I whispered back, I know, right? I'm pretty sure the whole office thinks I'm a psychopath now. That is what the test results said. At that confirmation, I clenched a fist out of confused concern, and I saw her tense. Releasing the grip, I told her, It's not true. I don't understand this at all. Maybe someone switched their sample with yours, she suggested, eyes wide, to hide their identity. Before I could seize upon that idea, we both saw the manager approaching and I quickly scuttled back to my desk. Bob seemed not to notice my restrained dash across the aisle and he approached with his typical dour resignation. On my desk was a post-it note with the words, If you tell anyone, I'll kill you. And I quickly crumpled it up and stuffed it in my pocket as my manager overshadowed me with his towering but depressed presence. I had a notion that he was going to fire me because of the test results, 
even though I knew logically they would have to wait a few weeks to make the firing seem unrelated. It still put incredible stress on me. In shock from the note and Bob's proximity, I forced myself to politely ask, Hey, what's up? Ah, yeah, my manager said. I have to inform you that some of the genetic test results were leaked this weekend. We're looking into it, but company policy dictates I have to inform you that the information has gotten out to parties unknown. I nodded and tried to suppress the intense emotions flooding through my every limb. He did it. He left the information out on his goddamn desk. Do they, uh... Do they have any idea who did it? It's, uh... Comedy policy, not to discuss details of an open case. He sniffled once. Anyway, that's it. He turned and began heading back down the aisle while I let out a breath. How had he not noticed my hand awkwardly jammed in my pocket throughout the entire exchange? I'd clearly been hiding something, but he'd been wholly uninterested. I pulled out the note and uncrumpled it, staring at the words. I repeated them over and over again. If you tell anyone, I will kill you. Was this real? Was it a practical joke? No, it had to be real. Nora and I had only just guessed that someone else had switched their sample with mine somehow. I knew I wasn't the psychopath, but everyone else thought I was, which meant they'd be too terrified to prank me in this manner. So who had left this note? The only person in the office who would have done it, the actual crazy person masquerading as a normal human being. To say I was paralyzed would be an understatement. My life was under direct threat. My life! But if I left my job, I would also lose my life. Just in a different way. I couldn't afford to be unemployed, even for a few weeks, but the note had said if I told anyone. Right? I could just keep quiet and... No. I'd be fired in a few weeks for supposedly being a crazy person. If I didn't act, I would lose my job. If I did act, this person would come after me. Worse, I'd already told someone by the way of Nora's guess that my sample had been switched. I leaned back in my chair and quietly scoped the other cubicles. Carla, Nora, Debbie, Jackson, and Clint. Which of my five co-workers were not who they appeared to be? coffee was empty in short order as I nervously sipped and stared. I got up and began a slow walk to the break room. Did the tests verify gender? It was impossible to know what exactly the results had said. I guessed that Carla was the one who had seen them since she was the manager's assistant and our office gossip. That also made it seem unlikely that she was the psychopath because spreading the information would only hinder her position if it was her. I walked past her desk slowly enough to perceive a hidden nervousness in her that lasted until she was sure I wasn't stopping to talk to her. Clint was hard at work in his spreadsheets, but I could tell he was looking at me in the reflection in his glasses as I came up behind him. If the results included gender then he and Jackson were the only other possibilities. Did the psychopath, whoever he was, have the same question? Clint's neck reddened from stress as I neared, and I moved on. His tendency toward awkward social interactions and math-related skills made him seem a likely choice for someone reserved and cold, but it occurred to me that a real psychopath would put on a better front. Was it someone more personable? Debbie had only just stopped crying. At the front desk, I lied about expecting a call from a client. But she rubbed her eyes with a tissue and shook her head. No, sorry. No calls like that. All right, 
He lingered for a moment. What if her inevitable illness was a cover? What if she'd switched the results and... Oh, God. What if I actually had the predisposition toward that disease? I didn't want her to be true, so I kept walking. The break room was empty this time, and a pot of coffee had been freshly brewed. That was strange. I was the primary coffee drinker in the office, and I always had to make the pot myself. What if... No, that'd be ridiculous. But it wasn't. I poured the coffee in the sink and leapt back as an acrid chemical smell wafted up like so much noxious smoke. Coffee had been poisoned. Someone really had tried to kill me. After a few moments of panic, I forced myself to get a grip. I had to out the psychopath and I had to keep my job. Calling the police would definitely get me fired. People would just see it as me trying to cover my own ass because I'd been outed by the genetic test. But who'd been in here? Who'd made the coffee? I broke the pot and threw it in the trash to keep anyone else from getting poisoned by the residue. Out among the cubicles again, I saw Jackson heading back from the bathroom. I used the opportunity to scope out his desk. His mug was nearly empty. Only a small bit of brown liquid remained at the bottom. He ignored me as he passed, and I detected the faintest smell of cigarette smoke. After a few silent sniffs, it felt like it was coming from an elevated source. And I guessed that he'd come up with a system that kept his office clothes clean, but he'd forgotten about his hair. Nora waved to me close as I headed toward my desk. Who do you think it is, if it isn't you? The psycho? I whispered back. She nodded. We can't just let this go. We have to figure out who it is or we're all in danger. Her interest suddenly felt strange to me, given how everyone else in the office seemed passive about the whole thing. They did leave a note threatening to kill me if I told anyone, but then they left the poison in the coffee pot anyway. Her face contorted with concerned horror. Seriously? Are you alright? Yeah. Her expression was perfect. It looked legitimate. I couldn't see any hints of malice in her. One thing I can't figure out. Wouldn't it look suspicious if I was labeled a psychopath but then murdered hours later? Not if the cops think one of us did it to protect ourselves from you, she replied quietly. Shit. Good point. Wouldn't you do the same thing if you knew who the psycho was? No, I told her, still studying her reaction. Just being psychopathic doesn't make someone a threat or a murderer. All six of us have worked here for at least a year, and we've all been fine so far. She appeared surprised. You wouldn't hold it against that person? I kept my gaze on her eyes as I said, No. After a pause, I continued. You were the only other person to protest the genetic test, weren't you? (laughs) Does it mean anything? The tests are just wrong. Invasive and wrong. A slow nod was my only response. Bob was walking by the cubicles again, so I returned to my desk. I hesitated before sitting down, and my eyes caught sight of something nestled in the crack of the seat. Carefully pulling it out, I found that it was a needle full of some unidentifiable liquid. Disgusted, I crept out and threw it in Carla's trash because she was the only person not at her desk and I didn't want to be caught with it. Nobody saw me do it. But when I sat back down, I saw Nora turn and look at me across the length of the aisle. 
We locked eyes for an uncomfortably long heartbeat, but then she turned back to her computer. As Carla returned to her desk, Bob unexpectedly appeared at my cubicle. Hey, can I uh, see you in my office for a second? Surprised, I just nodded and got up and followed him. My five co-workers all watched me throughout what felt like the longest walk of my life. Clint looked subtly afraid of me. Carla looked eager for new gossip. Debbie was on the verge of tears again. Jackson's eyes were expressionless and cynical. The corner of Nora's eyes and mouth were perfectly curved, just enough to convey a hint of concern for my fate. I entered my manager's office and Bob closed the door behind me, shutting me away from the stairs of my co-worker. Someone official was already sitting within, and Bob introduced her simply as from Human Resources and offered me a chair. Overwhelmed by nervousness, I hardly heard his words as he sat behind his desk and began talking in his typical droning monotone. All I could think about were the various reactions of my coworkers and the emotions I'd read in them throughout my time here. Which had been real? Which had been fake? Who among us ruthlessly pursued their own goals with no regards to right or wrong? Don't fire me, I blurted. I, I know who the psychopath is. Bob blinked. Huh? We're not firing you. My racing thoughts stalled and I abruptly returned to the moment. What? We're promoting you, Bob explained. We need your ruthlessness at our management level. It's a cutthroat industry, you know. He began to smile, but the human resources lady shook her head dourly. But... What do you mean you know who the psychopath is? Are you saying there's been a mix-up and it's not you? Part of me felt like laughing, but I suppressed it. Choosing my words carefully, I said, Oh, I'm not saying anything. I'll gladly accept a promotion. Great. We'll discuss the details later this week. Until then, don't tell anyone about the change. We don't want to stir up office drama and all that. Of course. I stood, shook Bob's hand, and walked back out to the cubicle farm. While the others watched me warily, I headed for the break room. On the way, Nora caught my attention and whispered, Did you find out the psychopath? Do you know who it is? Without looking at her, I said softly, It's all of us, Nora. Maybe not genetically, but it's all of us. I could feel her eyes still upon me as I entered the break room proper and began making coffee in an improvised filter. One of the cabinets swung open on a spring and a small blade on the bottom shot toward me. It stabbed through my palm and out of the other side. With gritted teeth, I pulled my hand off the blade, found an old company medical kit, and bandaged the wound up. And then I went back to making my coffee. This was life now. While waiting for the improvised drip to distill my caffeine, I began thinking of traps of my own, and of how I should safeguard my cubicle and the break room for my own defense. It was a natural result of being unable to leave, of being trapped with a multitude of other prisoners equally miserable and set against one another. It seemed that we'd failed in our dream to remain friends, and the company's atmosphere of corporate backstabbing had taken us after all. I whirled around at times, waiting for my coffee to brew, expecting an attack from behind, but no. This hell would not be so obvious. 
I maintained a polite smile and nodded at my co-workers as I returned to my desk with my full mug and nobody commented on the bloody bandage around my hand. Instead, they began passing around a card. Good evening, afternoon, or morning, wherever you are. Um, I hope you enjoyed all of the stories tonight. I think my favorite was actually the second one. It was the shortest of all three tonight, but there was something about it that just I liked a lot. I think it was a really good twist at the end. <laughs> um, but as far as questions for you all to answer in the comments section, I'm not going to ask you if you've ever found a dead body in the forest or anything like that. So... My question relates more to the first story. Have you ever been on the dark web? And if you have, what is the craziest, strangest, unsettling, funniest, whatever? What's your most memorable experience while visiting the dark web, if you've been there? I've been there myself a handful of times and never saw anything worse than what you would see on the surface web. I found a few sites where you could buy drugs. Um, I found one gore site, which I just, you know, immediately clicked off of because I don't want to see that crap. But I've never come across any of the things that you hear about in no sleep stories or creepy pastas or, you know, just regular urban legends of the internet. Things like cults or red rooms or live streams, anything like that. So, I'm interested if anyone here has ever been on, and what's the most interesting thing you've seen on there? Don't share any links to any Onion sites because YouTube will block them, and it could get you shadow banned from commenting on the channel, and I don't want that for anyone. So, just share your experience. Don't share any links, though, please. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what you all have to say. Also, while you're down there, let me know what you think about the stories tonight. I really enjoyed all three of them. My favorite was the second. So let me know what your favorite was. But uh, until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and each other. Good afternoon, good night, or good morning, wherever you are. And as always, sleep tight.